Dynasty Kings, football by the numbers. Ain't nothing prehistoric about it. It's the fantasy land before time, man. You did. And we talking about them analytics. Yeah, I dig it. You know them digits, we fit it inside of cells. But thinking outside of the box when we did it, outside prevails. We got eight inside of the box, but we finished plenty to tell. So go ahead and plug in a pot and just listen. It's the dynasty. Velociraptors, it takes okay. dilapidated no way. Man, it's a rap, no debate. Hey. Breaking it down with a dynasty. Yeah. Often reside with a pylons yeah. beat. Often we talking about dynasty. Yeah. Rocking with me at the times you'll see. Yeah. Out of the pocket, but line on me. Too much subjective is not for me. It's not for me. I'm rocking with the dynasty. Yeah. Dynasty. Locking the lineup and I don't need. Filming the fables, cause finally I got all the facts. No anomaly. Yeah. Let's get it. Y'all reach his T-Rex at best. And I don't mean to go flex. I'm a dinosaurus to death. Yeah. Look, if you dino, you know. Welcome to the Dynasty Kings Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Mike, let's ride. All right, welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Kings. I'm sorry you had to wait a whole month. I'm sorry that we're inconsistent here. By the way, this is your host, Mike Valerie at FF underscore Dirty Mike. You can find me at campuscan.com. You can find me on Twitter. And yeah, you can find me in Virginia, but I'm not going to tell you where, so good luck. Um, for today's topic, I'm going to go over the, the Shrine Bowl notes and the Senior Bowl notes. Um, and then I'm going to get into how I created a rookie and a rookie, sorry, a draft prospect model for running backs and for wide receivers. And I put in my old notes from scouting from last year, kind of an easy transition. Um, you know, me and Jake here preach analytics as well as film. And that's pretty much what I did. I wanted to put it on paper. I, I created a model for analytics and a model for film. And I kind of put them both together to give you my draft grade. Because I, I want when those two, <clears throat> when analytics meets film, like that's 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 where you find your gold, when you find those that meet together. Because it's not just the legit prospect on paper, he's a legit prospect to the eye test too. Um, so moving forward anyway, uh, I have some, some real world news to you guys. I, I am out of the army. I am a civilian now. So that's kind of why I've been a bit quiet because I've been moving into a new home. I'm super excited about all that stuff. Um, but I have to focus on passing a national exam for my new job, uh, which I've been studying for really hard. And that's why I'm making these recordings. So we're not going to be doing live here for a little bit, but I'm going to do a bunch of recordings tonight, release them the next two weeks, maybe two and a half. We'll see how, how long I can talk for straight before my mouth gets too dry. So if some player I talk about somehow goes to Las Vegas and I don't know, beats somebody up outside of a bar, I'm sorry. Just know that that was recorded like a week or two before that. And that was not the case when it happened. All right. So let's, let's get into it. I'm going to talk about the Shrine Bowl first, since the Shrine Bowl happened before the Senior Bowl. Now, the Shrine Bowl is less known. I think it has a deeper history than the Senior Bowl, but that's regardless. The Senior Bowl, I know on their website, if you read in their bio, they read their stuff, that all the prospects they bring in is, according to NFL scouts, um, that they've been given a fifth-round draft grade. So early day three and sooner. Um, and this was definitely an all-star group they brought in this year. I mean, it really was. I think this might have been the best Senior Bowl group they brought in yet. Um, but I'm going to talk about the Shrine Bowl first and why it's not nearly as good. It's just not. It's not. So I'm going to talk about the history of the Shrine Bowl here, as in the history of the prospects that come out of the Shrine Bowl. Because I, I thought to myself, you know, there's some news coming out. There's some guys flashing. One, one of my um, 
later day three guys that on my like deeper leagues, like if you're in a 20 man league or maybe a 14 man league, you want to add this guy on like the back end of one of your late picks, like Charleston Rambo. Sorry, I'm talking, I'm talking about Charleston Rambo. Charleston Rambo, I liked his film and he produced too. He's just an old prospect. So I don't, and, he, and he's a little bit on the lighter side too as well. So I don't really like the analytics are terrible. The film looks good. So they don't marry each other for me to love as a real NFL prospect, but like he's still somebody I want to own, stash on my roster. And let's say that he returns that value. Like let's say um, you know, he he goes off for two games. Sell him, sell him there, sell him them. Like they, these are the guys that I, I want to scoop up and I'm hoping to sell later, you know. I mean, not that I don't believe in them as producers, I just don't think they'll be consistent enough to actually start on my roster year in and year out. So I want to capitalize when I can. Anyway, let's go back to the Shrine Bowl here. So and the 2021 Shrine Bowl was canceled. So, okay. Now, the only notable players for fantasy out of the 2020 Shrine Bowl was James Robinson, who, you know, he's a stud. And you can he's, he's a stud. He's probably the best player to ever come out of the Shrine Bowl, hands down. Um, Malcolm Perry, he's a seventh-round pick, I believe, by Miami. I think he's currently on the Patriots roster. I know he signed a future deal. He's just a special teamer. I don't think he. I. I, I don't think he's caught a single pass this year. So, um, that's fine. And then Tyler Huntley, who's got some buzz there. He's the backup quarterback for the Ravens. Also a UDFA, I believe. So again, two very late round. All all late round picks, and UDFAs. Okay, so let's go one year one year back. So 2019 now. The only two I see here that I recognize, and I'm talking about that I recognize as in like their names have flashed on headlines, not saying that you can use them in fantasy every single day, but you know, you know who they are. And that's going to be for 2019. That's going to be Divine Ozigbo and Quad, Quandre Olison. Quandre Olison. I think I'm saying that wrong. Whatever. Both these guys aren't fantasy relevant. That's the point. 2018, right? We got Deshaun Hamilton. He flashed a bit. He didn't really turn out to be anything. Dearness Johnson, I believe he went to the XFL and then back to the NFL to be a relative. Justin Jackson has flashed lately. Um, and then Philip Lindsay also flashed his uh, rookie year there, but uh, flamed out very quickly. And then the real uh, gem in that class of the Shrine Bowl was Chase Edmonds, who had been fantasy relevant, fourth round draft pick. Obviously, this was probably his best year for fantasy. And I, I don't I don't see him doing better than he has been in fantasy. I mean, this is it. I mean, you're you're, you're at peak Chase Edmonds. Like everyone that everyone should have tried to sell him. I know it's hard. I couldn't sell him off my rosters, so I'm stuck with him. Just fine. I, I got good value out of it. I'm not upset about it. Um, but again, uh, I think out of all those guys, the earliest one drafted was Chase Edmonds, and that was the fourth round. That was the fourth round. Now 2017. So I'm now now we are one, two, three, four. This is the fifth year back now. I got Nick Mullen, backup quarterback. Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay, that's a big one. Uh, Kenny Galladay, Elijah McGuire, backup running back. Um, and Dare Ogumbawale, another backup running back. Names that we've seen flash around on headlines. Again, haven't really produced much. Kenny G had a great year, um, and now he's disappeared, and I, I couldn't tell you what's going on with him. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not tuned into Kenny Galladay news. The, the Giants are just a mess of an organization, and as a Patriots fan, I hope it stays that way. I'm still mad about the helmet catch. I'm still mad. I can't get over it. If there's one play I could change in the history of the NFL, it would be the helmet catch. Hands down. All right. Now let's just go one more year back, right? 2016. We got Tajay Sharp. He flashed a bit when he was on the Titans. 
think he had like one game with the Falcons this year that kind of flashed. You got Robbie Anderson. Okay. Robbie Anderson had one big year last year. Um, flashed at the end of this this past year too. Sorry. Flashed a lot this last season, the season before when it was just him and DJ Moore. Uh, he flashed there too. And they got Geronimo Allison. And those both those guys are, are UDFAs. So so once again, the shrine like Triangle guys don't get one day one, day two draft capital. They don't. Um, so any of those guys right now that are in that category, I'm not giving day one and day two draft cap. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. It hasn't happened in the past. Um, I'm not counting on it. I'll be surprised if it happens and that's cool. And I'll adjust. So the guys that are there that went there now, I'm not, I'm not excited about, I'm not, um, we saw some hype for Keontae Ingram, uh, who had a good profile. I, I just didn't think it was anything special. I, not that I didn't like the prospect. But I, I didn't think it was anything special. Um, same with Pierre Strong. I, I know he was a top running back in the FSC. And it's not that these guys can't be the next James Robinson when they come out of nowhere. Um, because James Robinson wasn't a specimen coming out. I mean, no one could have predicted him doing what he's doing. But anyway, I'm being I'm, I'm getting stuck on a point here. The the prospects I do want to highlight for the wide receivers are Charleston Rambo and uh, Kyle Phillips out of uh, UCLA, who I, I didn't know was a great route runner. And and I think he's drawing a lot of connections to Hunter Renfro. And I think he is justifiably so getting getting comp to Hunter Renfro. Uh, very similar body comp, very similar play style. I mean, they could be clones. You can change their uniform. And I feel like you wouldn't know who's who. Um, now, I do think Hunter Renfro's success came from being the only option left available on the Raiders. Still very talented, was always talented, but it's just a little bit easier uh, to be fancy relevant when you get the volume that he saw. So I, I think Kyle Phillips is going to be a, a round four, round five guy. He's going to get drafted. Um, probably depends on where he gets drafted, his situation. But that's going to be a guy that I'm going to target late late in my in my deeper league drafts. And I, I'm going to hope to capitalize on him and, and trade him back and trade him for value. You know, if he, the way Hunter Renfro flashed this year, I, I cashed him for early seconds everywhere I could. I probably sold a little too soon, could have gotten a first maybe down the road, but, but I sold him for an early second and I picked him up off a of waiver wire. So like, you know, can't be too mad about that. And then Kyle Phillips, same thing. I, I think he's just going to be, he's going to be a guy that can make a roster and he's going to stick on a roster for years to come. And that's what you need to focus on for these late round draft picks is guys that you think can stick around the roster for an extended period of time. You know, they don't, you don't need to find the, the next Stefan Diggs, the next, uh, Trying to think of other late late prospects here. Um, Aaron Jones, for example, who's a fifth round running back. Elijah Mitchell was a sixth round running back. Uh, they're hard to find, and and absolutely take your shot. But Kyle Phillips, I'm looking to capitalize on. Um, moving off of the Shrine Bowl because that that was it. That was it. That's all the Shrine Bowl I really want to talk about. Uh, the Senior Bowl. Now, to start with the Senior Bowl, they do the weigh-ins, and so that was really eye-opening. A lot of prospects came in undersized, not undersized, but less than what they were. You know, uh, for example, Jalen Tolbert was supposed to be six foot three, one ninety-five, and one ninety-five is slim for six foot three. Well, they came in at six foot one, and at six foot one, I am just fine with one ninety-five. You know, um, and some guys kind of surprised and kind of came in a little heavier. Um, you had uh, uh, Calvin Austin, who I'm not a fan of. He's he was five foot nine, one sixty-two for the season, right? He came in and he weighed in at one seventy-three, so nine pounds heavier. Love that, but came in two inches shorter at five foot seven. So I ate that, and I'm out. I'm out. I, I mean, he can be a field stretcher. He's going to get on the field. I do believe that. 
And I, I know he got voted like the best wide receiver of, of the national team or, or whichever team he was on. But that doesn't mean he's going to translate. I, I just don't. He's too small. I mean, he's easily schemable. Like they can, they can scheme him out. He's easy, easy to scheme out. He can't win contested catches. He can't win the physical game at that size. But he can definitely go on that field and, and be a field stretcher. Like he can run these deep routes, he can run these go routes. He has the speed to do that. Um, I don't know if he can do over the middle. He's kind of too short. That that's my philosophy too for these guys that are five foot seven. They can't operate in the middle of the field. I mean, these, these linemen, right? They're they're six foot three plus. If that, you know, there's some tall ones out there, some big boys out there, like six foot seven, six foot eight, whatever. You you have big linemen, and for like a quarterback, that's I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna use Kyler Murray for example because he's short. I don't know how tall Kyler Murray is off the top of my head, but he's not six foot, and so he's gonna struggle just like Russell Wilson does to throw over the middle of the field, like the short intermediate, like the short in the middle. Like he, they can't do it. They can't get through the linemen, right? They, that's why they, you see them take so many deep shots downfield. Because they have they have the arm talent and it's just what they're used to because they can't they can't hit the middle of the field. I mean, not in a pocket at least. If they scramble out and they can create gaps in the offensive line because guys are chasing them, they got the big boys trying to chase them, then then yeah. Then they can do that shit. But anyway, it's it's not consistent, and that's that's not why I'm gonna be in on all Calvin Austin. He's just too small to he is so scheme dependent, so game plan dependent that I think it's too easy for a defense to game plan him out and he'll never be a top producer. So moving forward, um, the way is open some eyes and I'll talk about those guys when I talk about individual prospects. Let's just talk about the performances and the big surprise of the senior bowl. The big surprise was Christian Watson. Um, he's a receiver out of North Dakota State University. That's where Trey Lance is from. Carson Wentz is from. Um, it's FCS. So it's below G5. It is FCS competition. Um, he had 800 yards receiving. I think the second closest on that team was like upper twos. So it wasn't even 300 yards. So his down rating was really high when I plugged him into my model, which we will get to very soon. Uh, I, I had him as wide receiver 27. Um, now, when you watch his film, he's a very raw route runner. We'll talk about him later on that too. But the point is, is that he came out very athletic. Uh, he was labeled as being six foot five. I think it was six foot five, 200 flat. And, and that's a very, very slim. I mean, that's very slim. Um, but in the senior bowl, he came in at six foot four, 210. I love that. That's a great size. That's great. I mean, six foot four is like, that's a good size. There's plenty of, of studs out there that operate at six foot four. And he's athletic. He's fast. Um, our analytics guy here at Campus Again um, went through tape of Christian Watson and found that he clocked in on his fastest 22.5 miles per hour. That's about 439 speed. So, so he's going to run in the low 44s, upper 439s if he goes to the combine. And, and that's, I mean, that's amazing. And I'm not, I'm not a speed guy. Uh, Cooper Cup said this today, and, I, and I, I couldn't say it better, than, better myself. Speed is a luxury. Quickness is a necessity. Okay? So these guys that are straight line speed fast, fine. But like the NFL doesn't these these defenses don't give you enough time to do straight line speed, you know, unless it's like a, a muffed up coverage and you got like a free pass off like a screen. So it, these guys are going to be quick in small spaces, which Christian Watson can do. He's absolutely an athlete, and and that's the whole point. Bring him up is that he's an athlete, and and 
I, I didn't move him up that far from wide receiver 27. He is inside my top 15, though. I will say that. Um, mostly just because the athletic profile, the the production profile is not great. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that again when I go into prospects. But he was the headline of the senior bowl, was Christian Watson. And if you think about last year, uh, Josh Palmer was a nobody. He he never had over 500 receiving yards in any of his collegiate uh, career or any of his collegiate seasons. Josh Palmer never had 500 yards. And he got second round draft capital to uh, the Chargers, which is a great team to go to, right? I mean, you got Justin Herbert for years throwing the ball. Keenan Allen's old. Mike Williams usually couldn't stay healthy. He stayed healthy this year. But Mike Williams could usually couldn't stay healthy. Like Josh Palmer fell, fell into the best situation, and um, he's just like the wrong guy for the job. But my point is you have to be cautionary with the senior bowl guys. I definitely give them a bump in your rankings. I am. I did. But I, I'm, I'm not going to ignore his five years of production in college, you know? One week doesn't erase five years of, of what he's been as a person for college. He couldn't get on the field until year three. His first touchdown was his third year in the FSC, FSC, not not FBS, FCS, G5, P5, you know, not, none of that. And the, the FCS, it's, it's, it's one step above D2. So, I mean, he's not playing great competition. Um, he's a raw route runner. Anyway, he's just a great athlete, and and so he's the main guy there. Um, big disappointments here from Jerry Wackerly. By the way, I did not go. These are all like third-hand reports and just my thoughts. Um, I asked Jerry Wackerly who was the most impressive and who was the biggest disappointment. He brought in Dontario Drummond was the biggest disappointment, um, and I didn't see any news about him at all. Now, Dontario Drummond was one of those guys that liked to be a, you know, a, a day three sleeper somebody I want to roster and I want to trade off as soon as I can cap off some value on him. So that was disappointing. And, and I, I'm going to take Jerry Wackley's information, like Jay Wax of Dynasty Nerds, by the way, uh, I'm taking, I'm taking his, his advice on that. So I, I'm, I'm kind of off at Dante Drummond. I'm not, that's not a hill I'm trying to die on. So that's fine. Whatever. Um, I asked him his thoughts on Khalil Shakir. He was there. Uh, he said, I saw a lot of people be like compliment Kilo Shakir on his on his twitchy twitchy movement. He was a route runner. He was everything is advertised to be. He had a great release off the line. Um, my big question going into the Senior Bowl about Kilo Shakir was his was his way to operate against press. And from all accounts that I've seen so far, uh, it seems that he didn't struggle. Like he he was fine. So, I mean, that just really vindicated me on Kilo Shakir being a guy at the next level. Maybe feel good about it. I don't need. DBs to tell me he's the best receiver out there and he's the worst receiver out there. Just just knowing that he answered that one question for me, I believe in the talent. He, he looked good out there. He looked good in the clips that I saw. He looked like the prospect that I thought he was. I mean, uh, Kobe Bryant was rated the best defensive back by the wide receivers, and, and there's clips of Kalosha here like burning Kobe Bryant. So anyway, the Kalosha here train is, is still going. Okay, it's not it's not yet in station. Um, the other guys are Romeo Dubs and Jalen Tolbert, right? So I've seen these guys play G5 competition the whole time, and my question is just how they operate against P5 competition. Um, I, I saw some good clips. I, I'm not going to sit here and, and feel as good about them as I did close to here because I, I didn't see them consistently win. And Romeo Dubs had the chemistry of Carson Strong there being a quarterback. I think they had it weigh in a little bit too, but – 
it made me feel good seeing them win though not consistently win but they saw i saw them win enough to make me feel that they weren't going to be bust at the next level so i feel good about those two guys too um ironically i actually i think i moved them down in my rankings but not by much now here's some news not being talked about enough and that's the players that opted out not to go right i i don't know these reasons i don't know um and people that opted out in the middle of the week too because so the, one, the ones that didn't want to go to begin with, one, were they afraid of the weigh-in? Like that, that's one of my questions. Were they, were they scared of, of what the numbers would come up with? Because you, you got running backs coming in like 17 pounds lighter and so-and-so is two inches shorter. So maybe they just felt like, I don't need to raise my draft capital. I'm good where I'm at. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to risk any negative marks against me. Or maybe they, just, they didn't want to risk an injury. Um, but – as of right now, I think it's a bad look, right? I mean, think of it as like an expo, right? You're like a high school expo trying to get into college and you got invited. You're told everyone you're going, everyone's excited to see you play and then you back out. And so it just raises questions. And I think it raises more negative questions than it does positive questions. Um, so, and, and those guys that backed out was um, Hassan Haskins, who I was intrigued by. Like he's definitely on my list. I'd have to check my rankings, but I, I think he's, in, he's he's definitely after running back 10. Jahan Dotson, who was probably going to be the best receiver going there, um, backed out. And I wonder why. I, that one could be injury-related or weigh-in related because he is a slim guy. I think he operates at 185. So if he came in at, like let's say, 175, that would have been a huge deal. That would have been a really big – would be a very big deal. Um, But also, I, I've seen mock drafts of him going in the back of the first. I think that's pretty – consensus is that he's a end of round one type of guy early day two type of guy and and it is possible that he just thought hey i'm good i already have the draft capital i i don't need to prove anything here i can just go home and focus on the combine or, or focus on whatever um another prospect too was james cook um running back from uga There's a lot of recency bias he not from me though but from a lot of the community james cook dalvin cook's younger brother um, running back out of Georgia, I believe he was, man, he was like, I think he was a top five RB in his class coming out, but he's slim and I think he's a terrible running back, but whatever. Uh, he didn't come out. And so I was wondering if maybe he just was like, uh, my hype train is high as it's going to get. So I, I'm just not gonna, just not going to show up and, and potentially hurt my reputation with these, these scouts. So and I'm also worried about his weight because I think right now he's labeled at 190, maybe 195 on websites. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he came in at like 185. I joked and said 180, but I think 185 is actually where he's at. And that is not running back weight. I mean, that's not even passing down bait weight. I mean, you can't. I, I think James James Cook can't cannot be a bell cow back. There's no way. Um and as far as a pass catching back, I'm not sure if he can do that either because he can't block. But I think he should convert to wide receiver. Like I think, I think he can do that. Maybe maybe a Demetrius Felton type. You know, I mean Demetrius Felton's really nobody in the NFL. But but that's that's kind of who I comp him to in my head is Demetrius Felton. So th those are my overall notes from the Senior Bowl. So Christian Watson, very athletic. Got to keep an eye on him. Uh, Dubs, Shakir, and Tolbert. 
the three big G5 guys coming out this year. Well, three of the four big G5 guys coming out all did not disappoint and they all performed well. I mean, they really did. They all performed well. Nobody had really anything overly negative to say about them. Um, except for Kalo Shakir. So Kalo Shakir has like bottom 1% arm length. He's got little T-Rex arms for all you dinos out there. Um, but anyway, I'm, uh, arm length doesn't really matter here in fantasy. No one's proven that it correlates to fantasy production. Um, Alfred from Dynasty, or not from Dynasty, excuse me, from Campus Kitten, uh, has speculated that maybe that's going to limit his usage on the outside because he's going to have a shorter wingspan to like grab contested catch balls. Makes sense. Um, but, you know, I don't think that's going to affect more than like one or two plays a year, if that, you know. And, uh, yeah, that's that's my notes for receivers. Now, for running backs, Abram Smith was voted top running back. The Damian Pierce train that's on Twitter is still going. I don't understand why. I I, I just think that's fool's gold. That's just fool's gold. I, I, there's nothing Damian Pierce does that's top-level elite. You know, he just does everything decent and okay, and he's built like a bowling ball. So, I mean, he's great at pass pro, but cool. That doesn't help me out in fantasy. So I, I think he's going to be a rotational piece. Maybe he can find a committee role, but I, I don't think he's like a second contract type of guy. Whatever. Just if you're listening to this, please, please don't fall for the Damian Pierce stuff. If you want to draft him like the back of your third or beginning of your fourth round, you're just calling your shot on some guy. It's just a bunch of Jags left over. Sure, go ahead. But but don't don't think – that Damian Pierce is going to be a day two draft capital guy because he won't be. And I, I saw someone put out a mock draft and they had Damian Pierce going in the first. And then when they got asked about it, they're like, oh, well, I'm basing my stuff off of actual NFL scouts. I, I don't think there's any NFL scout that truly thinks Damian Pierce is a first round talent. That's ridiculous. That's just absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, moving forward, Abram Smith. I'm very interested in Abram Smith. I talked about him. I want to say midseason. He's another linebacker converted running back. Um, he came in 10 pounds lighter than listed, so he's 210, 5'11, which is fine. Still above the threshold to be a, a workhorse running back. I think he's a very intelligent runner when I watch his tape. He's always running behind his blockers. He's always very smart about taking space. It's not a lot of wasted movement in what he does. Um, I don't know where he is on the like elite level, but he is inside my top RB, like my top 10. And I, I think he's going to be, again, one of those guys I target if he falls outside the, the day two draft capital, which which I do think happens, by the way. Um, but he's somebody I, I'm interested in. I'm interested in Abram, in Abram Smith. He's going to be a backup. And I, I hope he becomes one of those, um, oh, gosh, one of those Alexander Madison-level backups. You know what I'm saying? The Tony Pollards where they, they get, like, two games in and everyone thinks he's he's going to take the job of, of – some running back that was drafted in the first round years ago. You know, anyway, you guys know what I'm talking about. Those backup running backs that inflate their values once in a while. I think that could be Abram Smith, and I would I would love that. And then, again, cash in when you can. I'm trying to think about what else. Quarterbacks. I don't talk about quarterbacks a lot. I do not understand the Malik Willis hype train because he, he proved everything we already thought he was in the season. He's very indecisive. He gets sacked a lot. He holds on the ball way too much. He's dynamic in the running game. We love the running game. That's great for fantasy. He makes some beautiful deep throws once in a while. He also throws to nobody once in a while, just not even close on the mark. Um, he's very inconsistent in how he throws the ball. And he proved all that again. Um, so if you want to draft Malik Willis based off of upside, just like the Trey Lance crowd is still waiting to cash in on the Trey Lance shares, I mean, you can go ahead. I don't recommend it. 
I get it though. I'm not going to argue it. There's a lot of upside. He's definitely got that like Jalen Hurts type of vibe to me where he's good for his one contract. And then we'll see about that. We'll see what happens after that. Um, the top quarterback to me was Kenny Pickett. He was accurate. And they're like, oh, yeah, he just throws short balls. That's fine. That's what Mac Jones does. Like, that's fine. As long as they catch the ball, that's fancy points. I don't need him to, to try to be like Zach Wilson and sling it all the time and miss his receivers. So, anyway, again, Kenny Pickett is my QB1. Just a little spoiler there. Uh, Malik Willis, I'm not really sure where to put at. I, I am going to say this, though. I expected to hear more news about Sam Howell and Matt Corral. And so I'm a little worried about them as prospects because I didn't hear anything about them. And they're probably they're they were the top two quarterbacks at some point in time in this season for college football. So I'm a little bit hesitant on that. I don't feel any better about the quarterback class after the senior bowl than I did going into the senior bowl. You know, there's a lot of indecision. Everyone seems to be all over the place. And everyone still seems to be all over the place. You got the diehard. Malik Willis QB one for for whatever reason I I don't get it they saw him throw some good balls for I don't know half the week if that um and then you got the yeah oh one positive though is we did see Carson Strong be a little more mobile in the pocket um now Felix from Camp Skin has the ongoing joke about how Carson Strong is not mobile he doesn't move around at all you know like he, it's just a joke he's like oh negative some rushing yards he's the worst prospect out there Carson Strong still has a cannon for an arm. He's relatively accurate, especially compared to Desmond Ritter. But um, the mobility has been a big hit on his on his profile. He's not a, he's not going to rush like zero percent. Uh, here's the thing: Carson Strong got injured in high school. I can't remember what it was, but I remember it was a terrible injury. I'm talking about like pins in the knee type of stuff. And so that's why he's a statue. And then I think he was trying to showcase that that injury doesn't linger him at all. I just thought maybe he played it safe in college and just try not to run like ever. And I think that's what he's continuing to do. So I think it might be a surprise come year one in the NFL, year two. And we see him, I'm not saying he's going to rush for like 300 yards, but we see him moving around the pocket a lot more than he is. I, I think I think he has that in him. I really do. I mean, he showed, he flashed it a bit at the senior bowl, and I'm kind of excited about that because we, we didn't see those flashes in season. But he actually does have a legitimate excuse of, of why he could not demonstrate that ability in season. Uh, Desmond Ritter, again, same stuff we saw all year. He'll make a really good throw, and then he'll throw it. He'll overthrow it. He just lost everything. I mean, everything just floats. And it's just like, that's great if you're playing, like, intramural, like, football, your local college. But that's not great in the NFL. Like, he's going to get picked a lot. I see the fundamentals, though. I don't know. He's going you know, to need a lot of development. I, I think, like, he's my QB6 right now in the class. Like hands down, it's kind of hard to rate these QBs, but I got my QB one locked in. I got my QB six locked in, and then QBs like two through four is is really just up in the air. And Bailey Zappi didn't look bad either. Um, I didn't have much more to say about that though. He didn't look bad. He wasn't he wasn't the best guy there, obviously, but he wasn't terrible. He wasn't Desmond Ritter, that's for sure. You know what? I do want to ask the Twitter. I'm going to ask Twitter. I'm going to do that. I'm going to ask Twitter. I'm going to ask Gameskin if. Bailey Zappi did enough to up his draft capital over Desmond Ritter. Anyway, moving forward, the tight end crowd. Uh, Trey McRae is tight end one. Don't fool yourself by saying Jalen Watermeyer is tight end one. It's Trey McRae. It's always been Trey McRae. His his analytics is one off the charts. It's just it's astronomical. He is 
insanely good. He came in at six foot three. I personally, my prospects be six foot four. So a little bit shorter, but I'm not going to be paying a lot to get him. I, I think he's going to be a great late second round pick. You know, if, if you're stuck on the clock and all the good receivers are taken away, those, those, those chance running backs, there's always like one or two running backs going in the mid second are gone and you don't know who to pick and the quarterbacks are, are terrible, whatever. I, I think Trey McBride is um, being undervalued in rookie mock drafts, which is fine for now. That's fine. Cause we don't, we don't, we don't have landing spots yet or draft capital, whatever. But Trey McBride is legit. And then everybody at the senior bowl thought he was legit. He was legit all year. I, I'm excited about Trey McBride. I really am. He's explosive. He's, He's just great. We'll talk about him for, for a later day. But if you have Trey McBride in your debut squads, congratulations. If you have Trey in your campus Canton leagues, congratulations. Um, if you're looking for a tight end coming up, that's the one you want to get in this class is Trey McBride. Jake Ferguson, uh, Flash 2. I don't know enough about Jake Ferguson to tell you anything. I, I really don't. I will definitely get to know more about him in these coming weeks. But, uh Man, I can't even tell you what team he came from. I used to know this. Anyway, Jake Ferguson, I know he had a terrible college quarterback. He's not in a good system. Went to the Senior Bowl. He flashed. Now people are like, oh, wow, look what Jake Ferguson can do now that he has a good quarterback. Which is the truth because sometimes you just don't have somebody good throwing you the ball. So keep Jake Ferguson on your radar as well. But Trey McBride is who you want on your dynasty roster coming up out of these rookie drafts. Um, now we're going to talk about the models I made and what goes into them. So the lead of the analytics team for Campus Can is uh, none other than Jarek Jared Backus. And he is great. He's great. Um, now, Jared's model is called, well, I shouldn't say model. I should say article. It's called by the numbers, right? Um, it highlights a few numbers that are like really key in analytics and being predictive for uh, fantasy purposes, Jake uses regression and he uses his own categories. I'll let him talk about it here. He's some, he'll be back on sometime soon. And he's going to tell you all about his his model and, and the new numbers that came out. But for wide receiver, the metrics that Jared cares about here is receiving yards per team pass attempt, weighted dominator. Weighted dominator is 80% yards, 20% touchdowns. Um, and, and that's it. That's it. It's just those two. And then I obviously I incorporate draft capital because draft capital matters. And I lost my notes. And I incorporated if they're an early declare or not, they would get a bump or they wouldn't. And then I also included, oh man, I included the height and weight because I like to give the bump to the guys that are one NFL size and two, I like to penalize the guys that are shaped like 2 2 Atwell. And Calvin Austin, I, I, those guys just, they're too small. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If, if you're listening to this and you're young and you're five foot seven and you need to stretch out and grow. Um, and then draft capital too. So all those got weighted. Now I have a lot of asterisks next to my stuff. One, I extrapolated data if they were injured. So for George Pickens, I, I use his, his last full season. So again, I, I had to do that. We'll see how it works out. Um, now for extrapolated data, uh, Dante Demas, who's not coming out anymore. I had to extrapolate his data, uh, Drake London, for example, he missed the last 
Okay, he played eight games. I just remember that. He played seven, seven or eight games. Um, so, so I extrapolated Drake London's numbers, just for example. Okay, and then my last one was I gave a bump to players that had a high level of internal competition. And how I define high level internal competition is if that prospect was currently an early day three or sooner prospect. So, for example, Alabama, right? John Mechie, Jamison Williams, they're both day two or day one draft capital guys. So they both cannibalized each other's production numbers. So I gave them a bump in my system. I gave them the Bama bump. But the same goes for Ohio. You know, we got Chris Olave this year, sure. But then next year you have JSN and you have, um, oh, Garrett Wilson. Well, Garrett Wilson's this year. Anyway, Garrett Wilson, uh, Chris Olave. JSN next year might not get the bump. I guess depends on how teammates do because right now he's the only one that has a fifth round draft gauge. So Ohio State got the bump. I also gave the bump to SMU. Um, now I do factor in level competition, and that's kind of where this comes from, is that I factor in that they're from the G5. So they were kind of penalized, and then they got a small bump, but still overall penalized um, for playing in the G5. So anyways, yeah, so I gave a bump for P5, P5 plus internal, um, G5 plus internal, and then G5. I'm trying to see my notes. I gave a bump to Dante Demas too. So Dante Demas was not only an injury guy; he's he's going back. By the way, I'm just using an example because he was on my on my list. But uh, he plays with Raheem Jarrett, who I believe is still scheduled, still planned to be a day two draft capital guy next year. We'll have to wait and see. But so Dante Demas one got extrapolated in two. Got the internal competition bump. Those are just examples of what I had going on in there. Um, yeah, so those are my scores. Was rush receiving yards per team, team pass attempt, and I made that the most heavily weighted um, metric in this analytical uh, analytical score. Level of competition, weighted dominator, early declare, height and weight, and draft capital. Those are all the categories that went into my analytical score. Now. As far as film goes, I try to make it as few categories as possible. And I try to tailor it to receivers that I like. So, for example, I put in contested catch at first. And if you listen to the podcast, you know how much I do not endorse that play style. So I actually ended up deleting the whole column altogether. But I had body control, physicality, yak, burst, route running, hands and ball control and ball tracking. Sorry. So hands, obviously, is how they catch the ball. You want them to attack the ball in the air. You don't want them to, like, you know, basket catch it. You want them to attack the ball in the air, bring it into their body. Ball tracking matters, too. Just just how fast can they identify where the ball is in the air when they look back? Not that they have to stare at the quarterback for 10,000 years and let, let the corner know that the ball is coming. Um, route running is my biggest thing. I was thinking about, I was thinking about waiting route running, but I guess we'll hold off on that because that's that's what I care about. The ability for receivers to separate. That is the number one thing I care about. I probably should actually make it weighted. Now that I'm talking about it out loud, I want to do that. See how it looks. <clears throat> okay, sorry. The ability to separate is what I care about the most. And I want them to separate with their feet, right? The NFL is moving to... Uh, their rules for the NFL are, are moving to these type of separators. They're not moving towards the physical play that we saw back in the, the 90s, you know, and in the early 2000s. But no, they're, they're starting to go towards these separators. You no longer need to be 
you know, six foot four, two fifty. You know, it's it's you got some of these little guys actually becoming these skinnier guys becoming relevant. So route running is my number one thing. Uh, burst is what matters a lot for running backs. I included for wide receivers too, and that's just the the start and stop speed. You know, how fast can they get to to their top gear, whatever their top gear is. It doesn't factor in top gear. And then I did physicality, right? I want a receiver that's going to push for those extra yards. I want them to fight. I want them to, to win the ball in the air when they when they do have to do contested catch receiving. You know, I don't want a guy that's just going to blow over when the wind hits them. I don't want them running out of bounds every two seconds because I want to fight for the extra five yards, you know, to get the touchdown. Um, I want to have that mentality, that dog mentality in them. And that's, that's kind of what I look for in physicality. Um, you know, a, a good example is, is George Pickens, Drake London, right? I, I gave them really high scores and physicality because that's what they are. They're bullies. They're absolute bullies on the field. And, and that's one more tool for them to win. And that's, that's the purpose. Uh, and then body control. Um, these guys that know how to manipulate their body to better catch the football, right? They're not twisting their body off funkily, trying just taking themselves out of balance trying to catch these balls for these guys that can stay balanced and, and catch these balls. Like that's, that's kind of what it's about. So those are my categories for film watching. Um, and I make that out of 10 uh, for analytics. It's really hard for you to get a score of seven. It really is. Like it's kind of, so it's, it's a little weird that I film not on purpose weighted more than analytics. Cause it's, it's, it's consistent in each individual category. Um, so it's it's a fine model because at least it's consistent, but it's definitely a little more weighted on film, and and that's what I'm rolling with right now. And I, and I, I like it. I like how these scores came out. It, it it generally it generally reflects my rankings, um, and that's that was the goal. I wanted to make a system that generally reflects my rankings, and yeah, I like it. I like it. So that's my model for wide receivers. Now for running backs, and of course I have a note section too, by the way. It's not just a score. There's notes on the side. Like just for example, uh, George Pickens, I put all season injury to rail 2021, elite alpha potential, elite physical ability, quick feet, and speed, size, speed freak, able to run routes. You know, like that's that's my notes. You know, like so he can do everything I like pretty much. Now for the RB model, right? Draft capital matters a lot more here. Uh, height and weight also matters a lot more. We talk about weight on a podcast recently. Um, my threshold is at 210 um, weight. And, and that's because I don't want these pass catching backs, right? These pass catching backs. If you if you draft like Kyron Williams, just I'm using him as an example because I think he's a great prospect. I think he's a great NFL player. Um, the problem is that he weighs 199 pounds. And he ran behind Notre Dame, which is a great O-line. Not as good as the O-line has been in recent years. But compared to the rest of the league, he is still running behind a top-tier offensive line. Um, but he still averaged 4.8 yards per carry. I don't think a guy that size can operate between the tackles. You know, that's that's my issue, and that's why I don't like undersized guys. I know Elijah Mitchell saw some saw some uh, some some production this year. Um, you, you also you always will have a few examples. Uh, Aaron Aaron Jones is 208, so he's a little less than 210. Um, Austin Echo's 200 pounds, and he was a. Excuse me. Austin Eckler was a undrafted free agent from the FCS, so he he has just absolutely defied all odds to get where he's at. Um, and he saw some goal work this year too. So anyway, and then you have CMC, who was an early first round pick, and I am never going to say an early first round running back like that. Like I just I am not. 
So I'm still going to be a size when it comes to running backs. I don't want pass catching backs. I'm not going to draft pass catching backs early in the second of my rookie drafts. I just feel like you're drafting them at peak value. You know, think about James White. James White was great one year, and then he was not great the next year. Uh, Tyree Cohen had one year of greatness, and he disappeared. Well, that's because of an injury. Um, Naeem Hines was great two seasons ago. Where is he this past season? He went from RB20 to RB40. And and that's that's the truth about running backs that are pass-catching backs. They, they are very streaky, and they're not consistent. Yeah, they get on the field, and, and they might have a safe floor, but that, that floor might be three points a game. Whatever. I'm going to pass. So I put in height weight in my model. That's heavily weighted. Um, I want those guys that are are five foot 10, five foot 11 uh, with 220 plus. That's going to, that's going to give you a high score. Um, Five foot 10, like 210, like that's just going to give you an average score. And and then when you're like below 200, like, I don't care. I just don't care about you. And you're, you're below five foot seven. Like, I don't care about you either. Like you're just, you're not relevant to me. Um, Dominator rating. Uh, this one is not weighted. This is just regular dominator rating. So 50% rushing yards, 50% uh, touchdowns because you want them to get the goal line work. And now the big metric that's weighted here the most is yards per team play, right? So how much of the offense do they account for? Uh, this is the big metric here that Jerry Backus has provided for us that is the most telling metric out here. And uh, by the way, speaking of Camp CN, you can find it on our website charts and, and all these charts you, you can put in your favorite prospect. If you love Damian Pierce and you don't believe me and what I say about Damian Pierce, you can throw Damian Pierce's name up there and then you can throw uh, Melvin Gordon's name up there and see how their numbers compare for um, fancy relevance. That might not be a good example. You, you can find somebody else that had a similar production and a similar body type, body style as, as Damian Pierce. And, and throw them on there and see how they did, you know, and you, and you can make easy, you can easily compare people just based off of analytics. And it's an amazing tool. I use it all the time now. <clears throat> it's almost my first step. I'm like, Oh man, I wonder about this prospect. Just slap them on the board and see what they look like. So anyway, that's, that's the metric that I use for their metrics that, and I also throw in target share. I almost forgot what target share. We want we want the alpha that can also receive. I don't want the um, <clears throat> the early down power backs. I mean those guys are fine, but uh, the elite the elite fancy producers can also catch footballs. Uh, I think I mean I think everybody preaches that honestly. So I don't think there's any controversial there. But you, you need to catch footballs to be elite. The only one that does it every year that isn't catching footballs is Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry is just built different. Still, it's very rare to be fantasy relevant without catching footballs. So target share goes into it too. Um, my threshold for that is like 10%. That's kind of like the average for me. If you're below that, that's fine too. But if you're really below 5%, below 6%, I, I'm not really paying too, too much attention to you. I'm just not. So anyway, those are my analytical scores for running back. I, I put that in there. Um, now for film. <clears throat> The film is going to be burst. You can actually get burst score when the combine comes out. So I'll have to make that debate if I want to put that into the analytical score compared to the film score. But, you know, maybe I can put in game speed. Okay, anyway. Uh, vision, long speed, contact balance, power, elusiveness, and receiving, right? Contact balance is a big one. Like how do they absorb contact? Do they just fall over like a twig as soon as they get touched? Or can they maybe bounce off the defender, get the extra five yards or, or whatever? Um, power. Now, 
I just bash power backs. I generally don't like power backs, but I think it's a necessity tool to win at the running back level. I want the guy that's going to be able to push a pile, the guy that can push for that goal line work. You know, um, when he gets caught, he can take one, maybe two more steps. He's going to fall forward and give me the extra one or two yards over that first down. I want those running backs. So, so power does matter to me. And then contact balance squared. I think they're two separate things. Uh, don't tell Alfred though. Um, now elusiveness. Uh, a lot of a lot of success for running back is going to be if their offensive line can open up holes, right? Like think about Saquon. He's an elite running back. His offensive line is terrible, and he's got I don't know like two, maybe three 100 yard rushing games the last two years. He's still an elite talent. It's just it's hard to get rushing yards when defenders are in the back line every single play. So elusiveness is is at the second level pretty much is if they can make guys miss in the open field right if they have that lateral agility they have that dead leg whatever techniques they use to make guys miss in the open field so elusiveness elusiveness matters to me receiving ability right okay so a lot of a lot of running backs in the NFL, right? Or not in the NFL. A lot of prospect running backs, right? They'll have like a three or four percent target share. And, and I hate that. But then when I watch their tape and I see them catch the ball and they transition very fluidly into being a runner after the catch, that's great. That that's that's kind of what I look for in receiving. That's that's what I'm looking for when I say I'm looking for receiving ability. Is that just because they're not deployed that way, I want to know that they have that skill set. So receiving ability matters to me. Long speed's a luxury, um, but I'm not going to deny that the top tier guys have long speed. You know, Jonathan Taylor, very fast. Saquon Barkley's very fast. CMC is very fast. You know, it's not a necessity, but to be the top tier, you need to have it. I mean, that's you, you need to have that. So long speed matters. First, sorry, went over. And then, and then vision. Vision is just their ability to process information, to find that hole, to know where the hole is going to open up. Um not just run the play and the play is like, oh, hit the A gap. And then when the guy looks for the A gap, it's just closed. Like, that's not vision. You're just following the coach's play. Like, look around. Like, use your eyes. Let me <laughs> find the open space and go there, please. So, anyway, those are the uh, the film scores I look for in, in a running back when I watch their games. Now, I like to watch more than one game. I'm trying to watch two, three. It's Sometimes it's harder for these deeper prospects. Um. Trying to look on my sheet right now. Like I had a hard time finding stuff on Xander Horvath. Horvath. He's a Shrine Bowl running back. He's a running back for Purdue. I don't think I could find a game. I had to go watch like Purdue versus versus whatever team, and then watch the whole game, and then try to pick out Hor Horvath every single play. And, and and that's what I had to do. I mean, that, you have to do that for some of these these uh, lesser known guys. I just wanted to get a good idea. I want to. I don't know. Want to want to check it out. Um, then there's got guys like Devontae Price, who I think is a nobody. I really do. I'm not in on Devontae Price. The dude weighed in 17 pounds, 18, 18 pounds lighter at the senior bowl. He went from 217 to 198. So one, he's a liar. Okay. And I don't want liars on my fantasy team, but um, he, he can't get any power. He can't push piles sub 200. And he has like no receiving ability. Like he does not transition well, but he is very fast, very bursty. And I like that. But that was really about it. I just liked his speed. I don't really think he has good vision either. Finds the hole, sure. And then he just takes off. Um, yeah, anyway, that is 
my model. And uh, just just so you guys know, uh, for my model, my top scores this year are Brees Hall, Tyler Algier, and then Isaiah Spiller in that order. So Brees Hall had a 7.65. Now I look back at prior prospects. I looked at the three big, well, I guess four, uh, the three big names last year going into the going into the draft. And Brees Hall's 7.64 was higher than Najee and Javante Williams. So we'll see how that goes. Um Actually, his seven six four is really high compared to everybody else on this list. Now I'm a little now I'm second guessing myself. Um, for JT's class, I gave JT a seven point seven six. I gave Dobbins a seven point eleven. So Dobbins my RB two in the class. Swift was a RB three, and then Acres was RB four, and then CH was my RB five. Um, now here's the thing about swift right i, I want to talk about how people be like oh i just get my scores from pff or my stats from pff getting some individual stats from pfs is fine like that that is absolutely fine but you have to be careful on those arbitrary like opinionated like uh analytics they have right i talked about elusiveness right and i, I was curious and I, I wanted to see what pffs and uh elusiveness scores were for for some of these players because we watch the nfl right and and we see DeAndre Swift make guys miss all the time. Like he he has some really quick feet. He is very, very shifty. He's very joystick-like. When you look at his elusiveness score from college, it is super low. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I, I know compared to the rest of the class, like the current class, for example, it's low. Like they're pretty much saying this guy can't make anybody miss. He just runs in a straight line. You know, I, be careful about using stats. Don't be afraid to go watch a video and 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 determine for yourself if if this guy is an actual prospect you know people still have uh justin ross as like their wide receiver too like there's no reason he should be that because I, I know justin ross was his freshman year he was he was amazing but he is not that player anymore go go watch his tape he doesn't do the stuff he did his freshman year anymore he is he is not like that anymore a anyway don't, don't be afraid to open up tape right um and, and just determine the stuff for yourself, right? I, I don't if you want to jump on the train for Kenneth Walker the third. I, I slander his name enough, but Kenneth Walker is super elusive in the open field. He had my highest score in elusiveness I, I've given anybody. Um, I think he has decent vision. I think given the highest rate in vision, but like when you watch his game, those holes are huge. Let's let's say he lands on a team that's that has a terrible offensive line, and it, he currently weighs in a two ten. That's what he claims. We'll see in the combine, but I, I highly doubt that he weighs two two ten. And let's say he weighs 200 pounds, just to be fun. Let's just say he weighs 200 pounds. Um, he can't push a pile at 200 pounds. He, he can't push off like defensive linemen that are 300 pounds plus weighing 200 pounds. He, he Kenneth Walker absolutely needs a offensive line like, like the Bucks, right? Fournette is a free agent. If the Bucks take Kenneth Walker, then I'm going to, I'm going to shoot him up my rings right away. But you know, he's, he's not great. And and then I talk about receiving too. Kenneth Walker's receiving ability, right? He has like no receiving. Uh, he doesn't really use the receiver at all on his back though. So when you watch his tape and you see his hands, he's not terrible. I, I don't think it's a fluid transition, but like he's used hardly ever that it looks like he's got bricks for hands, but that's that's not the case. I mean, the statue says he's got bricks for hands, but um, that's not the case. Um, Man, yeah. Woo. Long-winded here. Um, Brian Robinson to me. I'm just using Brian Robinson is also kind of a a recent um, God, what I'm looking for a recency bias. 
I like Brian Robinson. He's my RB7 right now. Um, but when I when I watched the tape, I, I didn't think he was fast. And I think he was bursty. I thought he was kind of slow. I, I thought he was very intelligent, great vision, uh, knew when to go outside, knew when to go inside. He, he had great power, um, great size. But like I seen him in stiff arming dudes. I think there was, I'm sure you can find it. There's a highlight where he stiff arms like four dudes like while going out wide. But he only gained about like maybe six yards on the whole play. And I just think because he doesn't have the, the burst ability to to get out of those form like to get out of those maneuvers and, and, and capitalize on on the space he just created. He just <laughs> they just kept coming after him. He's like, all right, stiff arm, and all right, let me let me try to get back up to gear. All no, add a stiff arm again. I got to restart my my process to get back up to gear. Anyway, Brian Robinson's gonna be a great backup in the NFL. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's all I got for you guys tonight. Now I'm going to start pre-recording uh, my, my prospects here. We're going to start with wide receivers. I'm going to do wide receivers one through five. We'll see how long that goes. I might do some more than that. Um, and we'll go – I'm not going to go all the way to, like, wide receiver 45 because I, I have 45 prospects charted right now. Um, I think I have to delete some names because they're not coming out this year, like two or three guys. But I'm going to do, like, wide receiver one through five, wide receiver five through ten, and then wide receiver, like, ten through sixteen or maybe 10 through 20. And then after 20, I'll just do like wide receiver 20 through 45 and just, just, you know, power hour, one minute per prospect, take a shot of beer and, and then, and then move on. Uh, same with running backs too, same format. And then uh, I'll cap it off with quarterbacks and tight ends. I might, I might bring it on a guest for those. I'm not really, I don't, I don't really consider myself a quarterback whisperer. I, I really don't. Um, anyway, Wide receivers, running backs. I'll get into some deep ones too for my deep league guys. And uh, yeah, anyway, thanks you guys for your patience. I, I want to thank my uh, what my my ten weekly listeners. <laughs> um, and yeah, guys, we're gonna be a, little, a lot more consistent. I'm pre-recording these, so look for us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, that's gonna be Dinosaur Tuesday and ter- Pterodactyl. Thursday, Thursday with a P. All right. All right, guys. Have a good night. I'll see you guys later.